The following program may contain coarse language, suggested dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Tanami Faithful Podcast. I'm your host today. No, it's not Sketch. Uh, it is CJ here, and with me, I have two amazing guests. And first off, I'd like to introduce... Yumiko Long, editorial writer. And resident My Hero Academia expert for us, and a returning guest that I'm sure a lot of our listeners will love to hear from again. Celia Rose, former... Uh, Director of social media, I think that was my title. She did all <laughs> the posts. Social media for Tanami Faithful. <laughs> or as uh, I like to say, the meme master. Right. Yes, I do. I do love my memes. Listen, we had the we had the banger one with the Anakin Skywalker. That's that that is one that I'm I tip my hat off very much so. Uh, yeah, that one was good. <laughs> it was a good one. It, hey, listen, memes make dreams, right? But. If you're wondering why I have these two amazing individuals to join us, we're going to be talking about a series that is now headlining the block with its brand new season. Season six is airing right now on Toonami, My Hero Academia. I know a lot of people are surprised that Toonami was able to work a deal to get a Sony anime back again, especially considering the changing landscape, shall we say, of anime acquisitions for broadcast television. But yeah, we're going to be talking about My Hero Academia. And before before I hear anything from, from any listeners, no, we're not talking about the most recent season that is currently airing. We're going to obviously wait a little bit to let a few more episodes play out, uh, especially considering how the last episode, uh, as we're recording this on December 19th, so the last episode was a very impactful and emotional one for a lot of uh, anime-only watchers. We'll get to that at some point. Uh, obviously not this uh, podcast, but we still need to go back and take a look at the things that we haven't talked about in season five. Uh, and it's especially important for us to talk about it because Yumiko actually did an article to kind of look back at what fans should uh, keep in their minds as season six was airing for Anime News Network. You can check it out on their page as well. Uh, I mean, Yumiko always does such wonderful works, and so it's really nice that it can get showcased to other places. But but we're going to be focusing on season five, and at least the part that we left off at from our last discussion, at least that's what uh, our fearless leader of the podcast sketches told me, was the Todoroki drama going around their family. And I don't know about you both, but when it comes to family drama and television, it's such a match made in heaven. Whether it be animated or real-life television, it's so juicy. And considering the nuance and just the relationship that we see between Endeavor, Todoroki, and the rest of Todoroki's family... It is just tense, and it, it, I give a lot of credit to My Hero Academia to be able to get that type of feeling with its uh, viewers, because obviously with it being cartoon, you know, animated, not with real people as you see in reality shows, there are some aspects where it's hard to kind of animate that similar type of tension that you get when you see a car wreck or a train wreck when it comes to like, I don't know, something that like happened in Jersey Shore or Teen Mom or any of the types of those shows. But the fact that we were able to get that same awkward, very uncomfortable type of feeling watching the dynamic within the family, especially now that we're getting like 
faces and voices of the siblings of Todoroki because we, we all know about Todoroki's backstory of how his father pretty much was like oh you're the perfect specimen the other ones are, are garbage you shouldn't interact with them at all they'll make you dirty you know awful and these kind of things and now we finally get to see the family members we get to hear the family members and their feelings as well in the whole situation and just it really it, it's something that anime seldom pulls off and i think it did a wonderful job and, and yumiko i don't know about you but that family drama was just so juicy listen <laughs> oh <laughs> no <laughs> the todoroki family drama i am all in for the messiness and i'm gonna get southern now but bless um, Deku and Bakugo's heart because they were sitting front and center while <laughs> the family drama unfolded in front of them and just I know some people have been thinking about Endeavor trying to redeem himself because he realizes that he was a trash father and I know he's trying his best but you know, it's kind of hard for Netsu and Shoto to kind of forgive him for how he has been throughout their lives. So, um, and of course, what Endeavor did to his wife and how she has been in a mental hospital for 10 years because of how he was. So it's just, he... I don't know. I <laughs> he. I know he's trying his best to redeem himself, but he has a long way to go in my eyes because he will always be trash. Right, and it's but that's me. It, 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 no, no, I think that's a lot of people. And like, sure, you can do gestures and all types of things. And to to his credit, he has. You know, he stood up uh, that fight with Hawks against the Nomu. Uh, I believe it. I'm not sure if it was the end of. Uh, what was it, season five or uh, season four or whatever it was, but that fight that he had with the Nomu, you, you saw a bit more of the redeeming type of things where I wouldn't necessarily say like all of a sudden, oh yeah, all's forgiven, but more so in a sense that he has to walk a path of, um, you know, to try to re get back in good graces, not only with his reputation, because some of it, I think a lot of people do know, considering how kind of lukewarm his reception was that he's now the number one hero after all might and it might be a little bit of well all might was such a superman type person where it's just like he's always smiling he's always happy you know he always seemed to do the right thing so it's a little tougher for anyone to kind of live in that let in in that type of spotlight uh afterwards kind of like uh the next quarterback of the new england patriots after tom brady leaves like how do you how do you even remotely close to kind of fill in that type of shoe and i guess in a sense, you look at Endeavor more so kind of a, someone on the path trying to do the right thing after the atrocious things that he mistake, that he, that he did. And it's almost kind of like I look at a similar story of, uh, I don't know if either of you would know this, but the athlete Michael Vick, where oh, he, yeah. well, he goes to jail for heinous animal cruelty crimes. Like we're talking some of the most despicable things you could do to animals, mm -hmm. right? And he went to jail, did his time, and he's been an advocate for animals ever since, right? Like, does yes. that mean we forgive for the crimes that he did? It's, it's hard for me to be able to separate that, right? But that doesn't mean that any of the good things that he does after the fact 
is something that we just completely push off. It's like, oh, no, he's still scum. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. He's clearly taking the steps to do that. And I don't know how far Endeavor will go, but if you continue to see him make those types of steps, that's a good thing. That means he's going to treat people better. And I can understand if all of a sudden Endeavor's children and, you know, other family members come out and saying like, no, don't forgive him. You know, those types of things. They're allowed to be like that because they're the victims of this. Like their yes. word supersedes anything, whether it be a fan, real or fake. You know, I'm I'm very I'm making this very tough to kind of discern that these are made up characters, but it's more so yeah. of how realistic the story kind of takes it to where you can find these very very uh, close comparisons in a sense of the redemption story, what they're trying to do, and all those types of things. And while I personally will never be able to fully uh, you know, let go of the kind of heinous things that done to his family. Uh, no need to like elaborate on why I can understand the fact that now that he realizes that he has the burden of that number one hero, he needs to be better. And at least he's taking those steps that doesn't, for you know, like I say, it doesn't necessarily push back the kind of things that have happened, but it's still an interesting type of story where Endeavor is taking more of a, role where i guess it's like an all might style well, kind of like darker all might i guess considering what we saw from like leading up to this point and i find it really Dark all might right and i, and I find <laughs> it i find it really fascinating and celia i'm curious on your end of it just because obviously you yumiko and i can talk about this all the time just because we've worked so much on like my hero academia articles but do you at least kind of see the type of i guess conflicting feelings people can have when you're watching the Todoroki? you know, family drama kind of play out as well as kind of how Endeavor's trying to work at to be better, even though like it feels kind of, I wouldn't say misplaced, but weird and just kind of like, eh, I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like people like more to be cut and dry, black and white when it's just, this one is just a whole bit messy. Like even messier than how you might uh, view the character Stain. Right. Well, and the reality is, is that the type of abuse that Endeavor's family has endured over the years is not going to be easy to come back from. And quite frankly, I don't know if you can really consider this a moment of redemption for Endeavor or like the beginning of a redemption arc when it's not really clear if his motivation is genuinely to repair with his family or if it's motivation to make himself feel better. Um, Or for his image right now, too. I don't know if it's for his image because Endeavor's a very private person. Um, I don't think it's well known that he abuses his family. Otherwise, he wouldn't have remained in the top 10 heroes for so long. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's something that if the public knew about, he would be shamed out of his career. I think that he's not very well liked because he's not a very likable person character in a professional setting he's very curt he's He's very direct he doesn't say things in a kind way even when he means it like i remember when he was doing the internship with the boys and even his compliments come off as like kind of backhanded even if he's not trying to be that way because he's a very gruff person right and i will yeah and i will say i did not appreciate how they were trying to make it like funny either i did not like that i will i will put my foot down i understand where you see the humor of it but i'm like no 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 no. we we don't he doesn't deserve that please yeah and i think that's where i'm conflicted on endeavor is if it was more like if it was clearer 
that he was doing this out of genuine remorse for the things he's done. Because I know that when like he's tried to reconnect to Todoroki, and obviously he's not very good at it. You know, we see how he interacts with his son. We see how he interacts with other people. Todoroki has put up a wall and has basically said, I'm done. I'm not going to take this shit anymore. And that's a really like big realization, not just as a father where he's like, oh, my son doesn't want to be around me, but also for an abuser that's taking away that power. So is he really trying to reconnect because he's genuinely sorry or is he trying to be better because he feels like he's losing that control over his family right and that's the part at least in season five that's not super clear yet and i think it's because endeavor himself is experiencing kind of a crisis right now he's suddenly been shoved into the number one spot he's got like you said these massive shoes to fill for a person who's the complete opposite of who he is should he continue being who he is as a person or should he try to emulate All Might? How much should he change? All the while you've got these, you know, rumblings of a big war with the villains coming on. That's a lot to think about when you're not a dysfunctional person. Yeah. And Endeavor is very dysfunctional. So that's where I'm like, mm, I'm not certain. I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt. Because it would be nice to think that this is a father who wants to do better by his family and realizes he's done things wrong. But at the same time, at least in season five, there's not enough material there to clarify if mm. that's really what he wants to do. Yeah. And that, I think that's and, I think that's the worst part, uh, as you were saying, Yumiko. And let me add, when it comes to um, the wall that Todoroki has put up, um, he has made the distinction to Endeavor to say, hey, Endeavor the hero is amazing, but as a father, you're trash. Yes, so I remember <laughs> that during the tournament arc. He was very clear. Mm -hmm. It's almost like he's using his father in a way that like the father that Endeavor would want, but yet also I feel like he's now come to the realization Maybe I didn't want that, right? Like Todoroki joined his uh, agency, right? Although yeah. he's like thinking, oh, this will be great. I get to be closer. I can meld him to be like, you know, the greatest thing ever. But like Todoroki's doing it on his own with obviously influence from both Bakugo and Deku. Instead of from his father, Asili was mentioning about that power where it's not him anymore. And I think that kind of shattered it a little bit to where maybe he wants to. Like, like I agree with Asili. I'd love to give him the benefit of the doubt in a sense where it's just like people can improve, but I need to see a bit some, I need to see more tangible things of it that aren't like underlings of him or sidekicks, that type of thing. Um, I need to see like genuine, like if all my came up and was and like started to see and notice and like spoke about it, that would hold a lot more merit because those two knew they knew. And I'm not saying like to the extent, like he knew how bad it was, but all Might, you could tell All Might knew that something wasn't on the up and up just because his own son wasn't even, like, interacting with him, right? Yeah. So it's it's going to be very tough thing. And I have to say, you know, getting to see, you know, Todoroki's siblings, it, it really just puts another element of just, like, how awful living in that household was. Because obviously we saw the flashbacks of what happened to Todoroki, both with his mother and, you know, the burn on his face, as well as what happened to his mother afterward. But getting to hear, you know, like his older brother kind of like 
also be at a crossroads of how he should feel considering that his dad's now the number one hero and what might change or what might not change and things along those lines and uh his sister fiumi is that her name mm-hmm. yeah like yes. like the rock that she is especially considering how it seems like she is willing to forgive despite everything that's happened it's just that is in and of it itself heroic and something that i find her to be one of the strongest characters i've ever seen to be able to really feel that way and maybe she hasn't and she's hiding it i don't know i haven't read obviously you know past all that but like i am very um intrigued with seeing their aspect as more so than just todoroki who is simply kind of going on his aaron yeager arc of just i'm going to kill them all type of thing and just (laughs) keep having that going and going kind of thing so i i really really enjoyed that family dynamic and and as yumiko was mentioning too having deku and bakugo just right there full center just chilling like oh like i feel like that is a very relatable thing when you like go over a friend's house and then all of a sudden it's like oh awkward type of thing so i i found it fascinating and it just adds this layer that i that i i I should give my hero academia a little more credit for and and we'll get into it more because we learn obviously about shigaraki's background but it's not it's like when you first look at My Hero Academia, it's like you see all the sunshine, the rainbows, you know, heroes here to save the day, you know, type of thing. And yet we have this very, very like dark. So like, how do I word this? It's like you have all the kind of generations of superheroes melded into one property, which I really enjoy where you have like the golden era, right? Where superheroes first start off and they're like, Oh, they're here to save the day. You know, it's always, they're always there at the right time. And then you kind of go into this shift where it's like, you have some antiheroes like Wolverine is a perfect example of that, where it's like uh, him and Gambit and Deadpool are like, wait, they're the heroes. Are Are we sure about that? And then it morphed into like, oh, they need to be sad and brooding and like everything has to go awful for them. And we're kind of getting like all of that combined, which I, I, I yes. do give a lot of credit for. Cause like I said, like you see on the surface with like all might and you know, Hawks and Mirko and all, all best genus, you know, all these like golden era type style where you're like, Hey, look at us, you know, everything's good. Despite, you know, some things might be going wrong. And then you see like all mice predicament into future retirement, the family history, shall we say of endeavor, uh, as well as uh, Shigaraki's and All Might's teacher, you know, and they're, or, you know, the one that gave All Might all for one. So it's mm-hmm. it's really kind of fascinating. And, and I think p- giving us that little appetizer with the Todoroki family kind of full front and center was really, really well done. And I, I think it really carried that emotional type of weight that didn't need any action that really kind of makes people invested. Because I, I may be more of an action freak, although... I I've definitely um, calmed down in my in my uh, years as I've grown older for it. But like I know uh, or at least I, I shouldn't say I know, but I feel more confident saying that I think that it's stuff like this that both uh, Yumiko and, and Celia find riveting. And unless I'm wrong on that. No, I think um, it's been good because it's like my hero academia is showing you the good, the bad and the ugly and the ugly is showing that hey being a hero there are some sacrifices you have to make in your personal life um and we'll get into that with shigaraki 
Yeah. But and then um, when it comes to endeavor, it's like by any means necessary, I'm going to make sure that I surpass All Might. And if I can't surpass All Might, then I'm going to make sure my children surpass him. So he's just went to a ridiculous length to make sure that he surpasses All Might. Yeah, it's and like a obsession so, meets yeah. fire emblem. When when people would uh like have uh, two fighters marry and then their kids to have all the good stats and whatnot, it's, it's really like that in a very yeah. sick video game twisted kind of way. Celia, do not I do don't I don't view people this way, so please don't don't throw your I can <laughs> already feel the side eye coming from her like this motherfucker thinking that having kids is just like spreading out stat distributions. My God. Okay, CJ. but like that's not wrong though because Endeavor basically did like basically engaged in like you know like in pokemon when you try to get the shiny you know when you try to i got two today so i know exactly what what you mean yeah (laughs) you know and like and that's the part thing the thing about it too is that when you like you know we can laugh about it but when you think about it you're like oh that's like that's like eugenics man that's Mm -hmm. that's not that's gonna be hard to come back from like some things that are extremely unethical Yes, for the sake of moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that was so early on, too, which is why I was probably like more kind of like, oh, this is this is a lot better than I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, I wonder if they'll add that in that Netflix live uh, adaptation film. And uh, moving on from oh, that, <laughs> uh, moving on from that, uh, there was a, a little bit of kind of a reprieve, obviously, because uh, after obviously the Todoroki family, you know, drama kind of unfolds, uh, both. Uh, Deku and Bakugo, as well as Todoroki, decide to work with Endeavor for what was it? Their provisional license, or did they already have that? It was like, I guess it was just like another internship, if I'm remembering correctly. As, as Celia mentioned, yeah, it's been it, like over a year. The, yeah, because they brought back the work study um, program, right? When because they stopped it before, but then this was them bringing it back. And it was, and is this the same thing that like when Deku was with Gran Torino? Yes. Okay, so it's just another one. Got you. I wasn't sure if it was like a step above when uh, Deku did that. Um, So obviously we get to see kind of more interaction between the boys, not only with each other, but like with those that have worked under Endeavor, which definitely felt weird with like how, I wouldn't say glowing that they were, but they didn't necessarily show as many issues, which is just like, boy, you really have no idea who you're working with, do you? Or you do, and you're scumbags just as much as he is. Ah, good to know. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but um, there was also a little bit, uh, kind of a highlight that I know uh, some people might have found interesting, where Aizawa and Present Mike kind of were starting to learn more about the Nomu, which we, we do get to actually learn more lore about them in Season 6, which I was actually really excited about. Surprisingly, I don't, I don't know why I found that, just because Nomu or just Nomu, but I did find it a little interesting how um, pretty much that a friend of theirs seemed to have, or this Nomu seemed to have characteristics of a friend of theirs, and so they were trying to like reach it. And Yumiko, it seemed like what's the word it's like almost a zombie apocalypse type of thing where it's like imagine like you're in a zombie apocalypse and all of a sudden you see a a zombie and they look like someone you know and you're just like oh it's not really them but is you know what i mean like it kind of had that similar vibe to it and i wouldn't necessarily call it dread but more kind of like i guess kind of helplessness just because like no move continue to pop up and they seem to as much as like you know all these other villains are like huge issues stain um shigaraki the better liberation army yada yada 
it seems like the Nomu are actually causing the most damage out of everything when it comes to this hero society. Yeah, because um, when they were called to kind of speak to this Nomu, because they recognized, hey, he has the same quirk as our classmate, because this classmate and Azawa and President Mike, they were going to open up their own hero agency. So, um, so, and this friend, you know, unfortunately met his end while they were doing, um, while they were out on a mission or whatever. So, um, knowing that your friend is still existing, but in this Nomu, of course, they're going to want to try to get, you know, try to see if their friend is still there. And Ozawa, he used his, you know, his quirk to try to bring that out. And for a brief moment, it was confirmed that their friend was still in there. And their friend managed to say one word, which was hospital, which is very important. And then after that... I forgot about that. Knowing what I do now, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. good. I see why I was told to make sure we hit on this little aspect. This is a lot more important than I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> when hosts don't know what the hell they're doing, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he said their friend said hospital. And then after he, their friend said the word, then the Nomu shut down. And... um and of course, it was emotional for them because, hey, this is our friend who died and there's some remnants of our friend still there. So, of course, it was emotional for both. And so, so yeah, that that one interaction, even though it was a quick one, you see how important it was. Yeah. So, Celia, you um... need to watch the first couple episodes of season six. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have just blurted it out already. Make sure you see him when you can. No, well, to be fair, I will say this. When you see it, uh, you'll understand when I say this. That foreshadowing and that, like, I wouldn't say necessarily twist, but just, like, really just kind of, I would, and again, not out of left field, but just the revelation of something. I was like, wow, that's actually pretty cosmic. That was, that was real well done. And I could, Oh my god, that's Yumiko. My mind is just blowing up right now, <laughs> just like realizing that that's that happened too, and like learning more history about the Nomu and like how they're mm-hmm. made and along those lines. Like it makes all of it just even juicier. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. My Hero Academia <laughs> is doing well. Black Clover, get back in here so I can love you more than my Hero Academia. What are you doing to me right now? <laughs> oh my god, but I, I, I'm just a sucker for that type of storytelling. But it wasn't all sunshine. Because I know that there was a little bit of controversy with how uh, the studio decided to adapt uh, the villain's arc, which is, I feel like it's a very like popular arc within My Hero Academia. Uh, Yumiko might be able to speak more about that than myself, uh, as well as probably V-Lord, Marion, Sakaki, considering there are manga overlords. But uh, um, it seemed like it was very popular. And, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, is the anime adapting things out of order? Yes. So what because was the order in the manga? I'm just just so I can it, get a grasp on it. No problem. In the manga, the My Villain Academia arc came before the Endeavor 
um, agent's arc. So, so, that's so basically, it was kind of weird. So basically, it was like the villains uh, doing their thing that we'll talk about soon, and then we see the boys in the work study with Endeavor. Yes. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because you can see in the um in the Endeavor arc what happened in the my villain um academia part had already happened and they were already referencing that so it was a little confusing for someone who hadn't read the manga like what what's happening but if they put it in order you it would have flowed a little bit better when it came to this is what happened and now the hero's work study has been called back into, you know, play to prepare for what happened in the My Villain Academia arc. Right, because so, Hawks obviously warned Endeavor, which would, yeah, now I see what you're talking about. Because, like, I was oblivious, so I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's, I don't see what everyone's crazy about. But now, you know, going back at it does make a lot of sense. But, uh, but yeah, no, this arc definitely, like, it opens a lot of eyes. It is, it is something else. And like, we'll obviously get to Shigaraki's background because it's something that I found very interesting and probably the highlight of the entire season. But it's more so just like, it's, it's really getting to see the type of nuance that comes when it's like, how does society decide who's a hero and who's a villain, right? It's just full Mm -hmm. front and center on that. And again, I go back to I need this T-shirt, Yumiko and Celia. Stain was right. All Might was the only true hero. Everyone else, I don't know, man. Because it's <laughs> it's just like uh, it's so aggravating just how much you can find yourself aligning with the side that you know clearly isn't doing good. And it's just mm-hmm. like oh, it just goes nuts. And I guess I'll just dive right into it where you see, uh, you know, Shigaraki after after the fact after we get into his background and like how no one would help him but it was a villain who did and it's just like oh my god like why is it that you always see the villains helping out everyone and then it's like but they get no credit and then like all of a sudden you have this type of discussion of what is justice what isn't you know who decides who doesn't and like obviously and like I'm sure people watching it especially on Toonami might not have picked it up on it but you see the politics of it you know what I mean? Like, they're real. They're, My Hero Academia legit adds the type of political uh, discourse that you have of what's good, what isn't type of thing. How do we know what we are seeing is on the up and up? Which I, it's kind of like how I really enjoyed the type of commentary that Black Clover had with the geopolitical uh, or classism, you know, like that type of thing mm-hmm. where it's like, if you have no magic, you're trash, where it's like, oh, if you have no money, you're trash. You know what I mean? Like that type of correlation that you kind of see in real life and so my hero academia kind of does the same thing and it's just like uh, i i get so conflicted and then like when you see the type of trauma that shigaraki had to deal with when he was with his family by his father as well as what happened when he found out he actually does have a quirk and oh god that was i'm not oh, gonna man. lie I, I like everyone knows how much of a dog lover i am so Oh, no. Any any time like stuff. That's why I really get uncomfortable with JoJo half the time, uh, and not so much with like the fight that like Iggy was in with uh, mm-hmm. Pet Shops, but like the amount of gruesome deaths that happened to just stray animals in JoJo. I was like, this is getting perverted. Please make it stop. I don't enjoy this. 
and mm-hmm. right i'm using the word perverted not in a way that people would enjoy you know it's kind of like okay this mm-hmm. is getting obscene with how much it is and obviously i'm not saying my hero academia did that it's just whenever i see things like that i just oh god my heart just sinks it just completely goes away and it's like oh 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 it's so rough mm-hmm. and and i'll open the floor um uh, with you celia where it's just like when you finally get to see why shigaraki went down the path that he did it makes sense it, it like and i don't like saying that it makes sense because like i say i stand all night all might is true justice to me he really is like he really does seem to get it both uh right. on a more surface level as well as like behind the scenes as well he really did seem to understand everything and it's probably why he became the number one hero more so than just with his appearance and um you know his appeal right but like it really does feel like it's just all might or nothing for me with how everything's kind of playing out and that that whole roller coaster of emotion with shigaraki's backstory just really takes you for a ride yeah absolutely well and it makes sense though because for, for Shigaraki to become a villain, because when you look at the support system that he had, his needs weren't being met to put him on the path towards being, quote unquote, good in, you know, by the views of society and like by the people who were supposed to be loving him and raising him. His mom was trying, but even then she abandoned him. Yeah. You know, she she left his father because she was done with the, you know, with being a victim of domestic violence she didn't take him with her she just left by herself didn't take his sister either like his really his whole network of support was falling apart yeah so it makes sense Mm -hmm. that when he finally meets someone who meets all of his needs as a child that that's gonna be what he latches on to yeah (laughs) you know like you know like when you look at um for example maslow's hierarchy of needs Oh, we're like the oh very... now we're getting into something i love talking to there we go <laughs> yes i'm using my psych degree Hooray. <laughs> go <ahead>. um, <laughs> but like when you look at you know shigaraki and you look at that um hierarchy of needs through maslow's theory like even though he had his physiological needs met he didn't have his safety needs or his love and belonging needs met on the pyramid and in order for him to really develop into the person that he's meant to be those have to be met first before you can get to self-esteem and self-actualization, which are like top tier where you're able to look at yourself and to be able to be introspective about what kind of person you want to be and the things that you want to do. Right. When he meets all for one, all for one brings him all of that. He brings him safety because he doesn't hurt him. He provides a safe place for him to live and he makes him feel like he belongs, even though he kind of does it in a twisted way. Like, it's really creepy that he brings him the hands of his deceased family members, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. knowing that that's a traumatic thing for him, right? Like, yeah. he just witnessed his family die in front of him at his own hands. And yet, All for One is like, here, I brought you these mementos. I think the only like, ones that mattered, though, was his father's. Because, yes. like, he was, obviously, when he uh, kills his family, he was trauma. Like, he was losing it. You know, he was... Yeah, I it almost felt like he was trying to use his quirk on himself, like he was losing it that bad. But then when his father comes in, it's when you hear his like little monologue where he's like, "Oh no, I enjoyed that one." Yeah, because mm-hmm. when he killed his father, he meant that shit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like that. Uh, it's like that Michael Jordan meme, and I took that personally. Yeah, that one was very part. <laughs> that one was very personal. You know, and mm-hmm. not to say that I understand because, 
lo and behold, I haven't murdered anyone. Well, of course, I don't have that quirk either, so <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But, like, <laughs> it's that whole type of nuance thing where it's like, yeah, obviously you got to fight back against someone like that. Especially with how warped his logic was of why he was acting the way he was acting. You, I can mm-hmm. understand that part of it, too, where, oh, I don't like heroes because what about their families? He's absolutely right. Yep. It's like the whole, like, a great example of that is, or not a great example, but kind of like how celebrities and families, or the families of celebrities don't always work out. I mean, how many examples can we go through where it's like you see the families implode with the celebrity? Britney Spears recently with her uh, conservative ship. Hello. Yeah. Uh, we can look at mm-hmm. uh, Tiger Woods when all of his, uh, you know, sleaziness was out in the open. I think, like, mm-hmm. you don't really think about the fam. God, man, why? How does my hero academia get all these things? Like, Jesus Christ, this is crazy. <laughs> um, it's just like think about the families of that where you have the, you know as for example tiger woods you know doing all these things it's like well yeah of course he's famous he's rich you can do all the things he want to and it's like well i don't think their family would agree with that right mm-hmm. and so it's kind of the same thing where uh all of a sudden you have it was it was nanashima right who was going off being a hero and it's just like it really left a horrible impression for her son being shigaraki's yes. father and it's like yeah she was never around for me now, to say he wasn't necessarily doing things better, because normally you would like to think, oh, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be more there for my kids. Kind of like, uh, I guess, in the Naruto sense, where Naruto's parents were gone for a good cause. It wasn't as if, like, they just abandoned him. You know, it wasn't like yeah. uh, Goku doing, you know, Goku things, and all of a sudden Piccolo kind of picking yeah. up the slack. <laughs> it was more so in a sense of, like, Nar- so, like, as Naruto's growing up, and obviously with Boruto, he's like, I want to be actually you know, a lie for my kids. You know, I want to mm-hmm. not sacrifice myself for my kids, but actually, you know, be there for them while also standing, or, you know, using my duties as Hokage to, you know, protect all the people in the village. And it's just, it sucks that obviously Shigaraki's father just clearly didn't get a memo of trying to be better. Like he's trying to do things where he's always there, but it ended up being worse. You know, and it's yeah. just like, if you're going to be like right. that, I would rather you just leave and be a hero than, than what you're doing now. Well, and I feel like for the audience, Shigaraki's backstory is also a cautionary tale of what could be for Todoroki. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, mm-hmm. is that an absent, an absent parent is damaging, no matter what. But what's even more damaging is a parent who is absent, but still physically present. And that's what probably what Nana Shimura, Shimomura was for her son was even though she was physically present because she was, you know, providing for the family and being a hero, her job made her an absent parent. Yeah. Right. And that does so much more damage to a person's um, attachment, their emotional well-being, all of that, than not having a parent there at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what you see with Endeavor and the Todoroki family as well. And knowing what we know that comes up in season six, like you see that that kind of damage has already been done, mm-hmm. you know, in, in later episodes. And and that's where the audience can look at Shigaraki and go, oh, my God, this could be someone else also. Yeah. And I think that might you be know? the scariest part, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I also feel like Horikoshi has some pretty strong opinions about certain aspects of Japanese society that come through in My Hero Academia, because one of the things about um, modern Japanese society is that it's a very it's a collectivist culture. 
So it's all about, you know, everyone coming together for the sake of the whole, right? Mm-hmm. Greatest good for the greatest means... amount of people. Uh, I think that's utilitarianism. Not quite. They're not quite utilitarian, but definitely collectivist. Okay. But the other side that goes with that is you don't disrupt the whole. So when you have family dysfunctions going on or problems that are going on in the family, you don't seek help because now you're a problem and you are a burden to the group. So that's how it continues to persist. It's actually one of the things about Japan is where you have like, they have stats about domestic violence and about abuse, but they're not as high as they probably actually are because of underreporting. But the justice system that is talked about a lot in My Hero Academia in Japan, it also doesn't really view that as a priority because when you have people who experience physical abuse or, or something like that, depending on the gravity of it and which parent does it, because if the mother does something wrong, then it's a huge issue because that's her job as the mother. But if the dad does something wrong, his consequences may not be equal under the law, right? Guess, and even the yeah. Japanese justice system as a whole is like it's pretty screwed up yeah because oh yeah someone can be Mm -hmm. someone can be arrested for a crime and held indefinitely waiting for their trial at least from what i understand from what i've read about it i I honestly really i know i really enjoy the fact that you get commentary about stuff like this in freaking manga that's meant for like teenage years i love it yeah i absolutely (laughs) love it like I think that's probably why as I look at like the totality of like what we're talking about for season five, where sure the ending definitely left kind of like a bad taste in my mouth just because I always hate like what I like with anime and what I wish that more of them did is where it a season ends and you even if you know another season's coming, you don't end it as if you need to have that. Like, I want it to be where each thing can end on a note where you're like, all right, if no more can be made after this, totally fine. It works. It's a nice little way to end it. Like, the way that season one of My Hero Academia ended really encapsulated that. Like, yes, there was obviously a ton more since we're in season six already, uh, over 100 episodes. But the way that it ended was like, yeah, it was a great 13-episode thing. It's a great little test of waters, great really kind of way of kind of, you know, ending a story if they weren't going to do more of it and this one definitely did not do that because it's just like all of a sudden it's like oh god war is coming especially when you have everything played up with the espionage going on but with hawks and trying to make sure that you know the heroes know that hey shit's about to hit the fan as obviously we saw with kind of uh shigaraki kind of morphing the metal liberation army with his league of villains right and mm-hmm. it's just it's so wild to me thinking like, cause like this discussion has been fantastic. You know, I've really enjoyed hearing both your points of views, uh, the different type of examples and things of what really makes these parts of season five really stand out. Cause you have such wonderful memories of like other moments in past seasons, you know, specifically for me, something that I'll always go back to really love was the high school festival arc. That like not just the fight between Todoroki and Deku in it, but just the whole thing in general. Like I, I love it. I thought it was fantastic. Like everything about it was so fun. I'll rewatch it every now and then for it too. And then like you get into like when Stain goes on his thing, where kind of kickstarting, where people started to see maybe heroes aren't necessarily as you know perfect as we think it is. To getting now into where uh, Bakugo was taken away, All Might's retirement, like all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. It really felt like season five with 
again, we're specifically beholding us to what we've just talked about so far was a huge hit just because of just like everything that you kind of go into where you have examples of like heroes that look more like villains and villains that actually have more tragic story where you want to root for them. And it's just, it flips everything on his head, especially when you see the type of commentary that can spark from this abuse victims, as well as as Celia was just mentioning about the justice system with domestic abuse, the total society or or how Japan society can be viewed with what she was mentioning before uh, redemption, uh, as well as some wonderful action scenes too. Like, Let's not kid ourselves, like seeing, you know, Registro and Shigaraki battle out, I thought was really uh, riveting as well. Uh, seeing kind of the League of Villains, you know, especially like twice, you know, getting to see what he's capable of and doing all the things that he was doing was really cool, you know. And I just, it goes, it, obviously when something's super popular, more people are going to dog on it. It's just for this specific, like, where we're at with My Hero Academia, I find it kind of hard to. I can understand, like, oh, it's just not my thing. You know, I'd rather watch something else type of thing. I get it. Especially because, like, with how superhero craze and oversaturated that type of genre is currently. Mm-hmm. Man, the type of commentary that you can get from the series, how nuanced it can be, the nuanced just characters themselves. I, I, I never really put as much of appreciation for it until, like, discussing it with you both right now. It's... It's a lot better than I than I really re- uh, remembered, and I'm honestly really thankful that a we, it got to be on Toonami, and b we're getting more, and just yes. like I really enjoy the type of story for it. It's like that. Uh oh, Celia, what was that? It was like don't meet your heroes, like that whole thing. Yeah, like it's yeah, like don't meet your heroes. <laughs> isn't this isn't this season like what we're talking about right now? Such that like that pretty much captures the essence of what we watched in these recent story arcs. Pretty much like it's pulling back the curtain and showing the vulnerability of everybody, which I think is important because if you don't show that vulnerability, I think it makes the characters harder for the audience to connect to. Like as cool as All Might is, the fact that we know that he's really someone who's falling apart from the inside out because of how much of a toll his powers have taken on him. He would be just this like Superman-esque character without the Clark Kent to make you care about why you should care about Superman. You know, I think you really need that. And I think it also helps too, for the amount of characters that there are in this show, because there are a lot. I remember watching this arc on Toonami and just having a really hard time keeping up with everyone that was being introduced in the meta liberation arc. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so many of them, but, and I think you really need to do that to give the audience a reason to remember them too. So helping everyone remember what's going on, all of that stuff. So I think you really need that. Loki, though, I'm kind of worried about Hawks. Like, I know yeah. he's doing this <laughs> for his job, and he's supposed to be a spy, but I'm also like, bro, are you okay? Like, please don't turn into a villain because you're w- getting too deep into this. <laughs> I will say this, uh, Celia, you really need to catch up with at least what's been on tonight. But second, y- Yumiko talked about this in her article, too, about the added element of espionage, which obviously is always going to be in this type of thing. But like seeing it full front like that with the double agent and the side talk that you get from Hawks, it's real. like that had to be one of the best parts, uh, especially for you, Yumiko, because I-, I found it very riveting, especially like the clues and breadcrumbs he was leaving for Endeavor. I just I just think like the character introduction has been absolutely phenomenal. Like his introduction to my hero academia was like that much needed injection to add like 
the th- like a more we obviously have the side of heroes and villains but adding that element of the third piece of are we sure where they are because as we joked before we started recording there was a rumor about a spy within ua itself and like there was always that little like kind of fear hiding around i remember where it was kind of at the height for tsunami watchers and then all of a sudden we see ioya chilling right outside deku's uh like bedroom window and celia's like sparkles it's like no celia this is bad <laughs> but <laughs> i have to say that like the injection of like seeing it more tangible has has to be like a really good treat that hopefully will get rewarded in, in the future season yeah the hawks um espionage thing is is very interesting and like he's well aware i'm being watched and because of we get a little taste of his background to where um, he's the perfect person chosen to be a spy. And like I just said, he's well aware he's being watched. So he's being as careful as he can. And I thought it was very good for him to have the um, that book that Destro, the, you know, before Redestro. Right. That he had, and it was like, hey, read this book. Um, these pages are, you really need to look at. And I've highlighted things that, you know, so <laughs> it was just how he, and then even Endeavor caught on um, Hawks's demeanor. And oh, yeah, could even, that's right. Even, yeah. Yeah. Because even showed like, because you, because Endeavor would always see Hawks smiling, joking, and all that stuff. And then he was even smiling and joking a little bit with him um, while they were doing their internship. But it was just something about how he was talking about the book that Endeavor called on. And um, so it was just interesting that Endeavor was able to you know, decipher what Hawks was trying to tell him. So that also helped out with, oh, shit, the villains are, you know, gearing up for war. So I need to, you know, I need to tell them. Or while he was reading the book, it clicked with him when they were uh, talking to him. Um, being a little coded, talking to Endeavor about what they think was going on, because Endeavor was even like, oh, this is what that meeting meant when they were talking to me. <laughs> so it was just very interesting to see that Endeavor was able to put these pieces together. And that may be that that little glimpse of showing you why he's the number one hero is that he was able to piece this stuff together. And um, so I thought that was good, that Endeavor, and oh goodness for me to say that, um, (laughs) (laughs) to pick up on that and for Hawks to be able to be clever enough to get his message across. And as you see, and then with Hawks, even though he know he's being watched, he start to ve- to develop this, um, I guess you can say, this friendship 
with twice because it seemed like twice is really getting close and attached to hawks because he is such an outlier he's such an outlier for all of this because twice is like hey you do a very good job explaining all this stuff and so you just see that twice is starting to latch on to hawks and uh, yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) so but yeah it's just you just see hawks you know playing both sides because he you know he has to and it's just you know like celia was saying you just start to wonder what kind of toll is this taking on hawks for him to playing both sides and it, so. I, and it definitely can show how being a hero has its dangers and not on the more obvious one where yeah you could die when you fight someone but what also happens when you get too deep into something like this like an undercover cop yeah you know it's just oh, it's tough a lot of uh, a lot of worlds are getting shattered you know and like the fact that like us as viewers get to really see how it all plays out is remarkable and again like i've been very big on my hero when you kind of have the commentary that stain brought in and the fact that that kind of continues on because his influence is still massive um yeah even to even now while his name isn't being mentioned like all the time like it was when he was first introduced and all that uh, i feel like that's a lot of origin story of how shigaraki kind of became what he is now and what we're about to see in this war which i'm sure is going to be bloody i'm sure it's going to be difficult um and also don't let people fool don't let celia fool you when she's like there's too many characters she remembers nezure that's that's the only one to her that matters so don't don't let her fool you it's because she has her blinders on with that type of thing gotta gotta focus on my number one hey hey, she's part of the big three at ua so who knows she might become the new number one (laughs) hero later on right um but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna call it there just because like honestly the conversation has been wonderful and like you can tell uh both with myself and with our guests here like there's so much layers it's like an ogre and onions like there's so many layers we get to peel with uh the back half of like season five and really kind of I really just am still kind of blown away at all the types of references and kind of examples that we can bring in. Well, not obviously a one-to-one because Lord knows if these things were real, my God, I feel like I'd already be dead (laughs) just with like (laughs) all the things that have like the natural disasters that come when superheroes fight villains and whatnot. So it's just wild, but it's just, it's such a really interesting way where you can get kind of that golden age hero type of aspect in certain areas and then also get the dark sad type of like i guess batman-esque christopher nolan batman-esque type of thing going on in certain areas as well so it's just it's really remarkable the type of kind of complete story that you're getting with my hero academia and uh i'm excited uh season six already is delivered on some really momentous kind of reveals and like heartfelt moments that are just like oh wow so i've been i've been greatly uh impressed and uh sadly you won't get as much uh obviously for the next two weeks it's going to be marathons uh, as we're recording this on december 19th i'm not sure when this episode will go out hopefully soon <laughs> i will be able to edit it soon i promise but um so obviously with you know tsunami recently announced that some news obviously occurred with marathons we're getting a primal marathon coming up on christmas eve and then a fully coolie marathon first season on new year's eve you know getting people kind of ready for when the new fully coolies come out I, I still it's so weird saying that there's more fully coolie <laughs> it really I, I i don't know what it is i like it it's just like 
I if you'd have told me like ten years ago, oh by the way, there's gonna be four more seasons of Fully Cooley, I'd be like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What happened to the first one? What's going on? So uh, we'll yeah, be... I also agree. That's kind of odd. I haven't actually seen the sequels. Oh, progressive and alternative. After seeing the first, no, I haven't. Well, because oh. the first one was just very formative, and it's like peak Gynax that I was like, I don't know. So. Even though I'm sure that the team that worked on it over at Production IG and the and the creative team they have working on it now probably did a good job, it's not quite the same. <laughs> I will say this. I don't have Sacred Cows of Anime, so I'm like, hey, give me more content, I'll take it. So I'm usually fine with it. But it's just, it, it's more so in a sense where it's just, like I say, if you'd have told me 10 years, it's like if someone came up to me and was like, oh, by the way, you know, we're getting another Trigun thing. I'd be like, wait, what? We yeah. are. <laughs> oh, and we are getting another Trigun thing. I'm excited for the new Trigun thing. I am very excited for the new Trigun thing, too. It looks so good. It really does. I, I'm sorry to get on that tangent. It's just more so in a sense of just, like, it's just wild to me thinking that these... Like, next thing you know, Celia, we're going to get a Yu Yu Hakusho announcement. Oh, now that would be wonderful. <laughs> if, <laughs> some, if it's something to distract from the Japanese live-action version of Yu Yu Hakusho that's coming out within the next couple of years, that would be yeah. really nice, because... I'm my bar is low for the live action. <laughs> you have She's scared. just saying this because of how Karama will look like. Again, don't let Celia fool you on these things. I okay, know how she operates. <laughs> the actors look fine, but Japanese television doesn't have the same like idea of production scale as US television, for example, and is often very low budget, which is what makes me hesitant that it's going to be good i mean think of it this way it'll probably be better than death note probably uh. oh easily <laughs> uh. death note is like if the bar was on the ground death note is like four feet below that oh so. yeah oh. you have no idea and let me tell you something the anime after a certain person thing happens it just went all downhill and but on that note i will i will end it there i end, like we can talk about random stuff like this all the time it's just because like I mean, how could you not with these two esteemed guests? Like, come on now. It's what we do. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's not an episode without a little bit of tangent. Even I fall victim to it as well. But let's do some house cleaning. You can email us at podcast at tunamifaithful.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Tunami Faithful Podcast and on Twitter at Tunami Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on just about everything, including iTunes, Google Music, Spotify, Anchor. If it is something that hosts podcasts you will be able to find the tsunami faithful podcast you can find every episode of the podcast to stream online at soundcloud.com slash tsunami faithful podcast and don't forget you can get the latest news about tsunami by following tsunami news on twitter where we also have all types of articles reviews convention reports you name it and you can find that over at our website at tsunami faithful.com or you might find some stuff on anime news network like from yumiko as well uh but don't forget to subscribe to the tsunami faithful pass on our patreon which is at patreon.com slash podcast uh it has all uh inside stuff that we do all kinds of uh, perks and whatnot we haven't had anything in there recently hopefully that'll change obviously covid and a lot of people like god i've been so busy i work like every day it's very the let me tell you if if I could tell you all the loopholes of how I was able to even record this episode today, you'd be like, God dang, CJ, please. It ain't worth. No, it's not. But I, I'm happy to be here with everything. But yeah, that is our Micro Academia last part of season five discussion. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as much. And before we get on out of here, 
Yumiko, where can our listeners find you? You can follow me on the Twitter at BlueBLU underscore Temptation. And you know, I will say this, you can link anything with me because unlike Twitter, I'm a more benevolent type of uh, leader on these types of things. <laughs> <laughs> Isilia, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Planets Twinkle and on Facebook at Celia Rose Cosplay. Uh, I'm hoping to get back into cosplay content in 2023 because it's been far too long. I've taken a two-year break during the pandemic. Um, so hopefully I'll be posting more about that there. And on my Twitter, I just yell about Spy Family every weekend. So. <gasps> oh, I did that to her. That is my fault. That is specifically my fault. And I am sorry to her followers on that. Although I'm not... It's so good. I know, but I was the it one is. that told you about not my agenda, Celia, your agenda. That's right. The your agenda. <laughs> the your agenda. Yeah. Oh, I love Spy Families. Get that on Toonami. That Chainsaw Man and Jujutsu Kaisen Man. Come on. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, good luck getting Chainsaw Man. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. I know. <laughs> listen, listen. Maybe I want to go. We can only hope. But... Maybe I want to go back to the Cartoon Network days where it was just only Toonami to see anime on anything here, you know? Like, it'd be. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Could you imagine that lineup of, like, Jujutsu Kaisen? with Chainsaw Man and then like later on with Spy Family. Oh, it'd be wonderful. It'd be great. It'd be great. Uh, I also hope oh, it would be. I don't think the FCC would like Chainsaw Man being on TV oh, though. <laughs> Listen, I, I work That's at television. That's what's going to make it hard. <laughs> I, work on, I work in television. You are absolutely right. <laughs> so, and uh, before I just, I completely lose it too. You can find me on Twitter at uh, CJ Maffris. Uh, I haven't been on Twitter as much uh, work, and I've been grinding like a madman on Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. Uh, those games, I, I've i never had such a love-hate relationship with a video game like I'm having right now. I'm having a crisis, and it's not okay, Celia. I need, I need, I need therapy, pretty much. But that is where I've been most of this time, as well as, obviously, you know, you can check out our This Week from Toonami things, the thing that Celia introduced that I've been, you know, keeping a, uh you know keeping the spirit of it going not as good but uh keeping it going just because i really enjoyed the idea that she had with it and so you can check those uh every week and that type of thing but we appreciate your diligence cj keeping it <laughs> appreciate going. it keeping everyone informed yes oh listen when i see blue exorcist anime coming i was like yep the people need to know I love Blue Exorcist. I, I don't know why I love that series. I love that series way too much. Uh, but on that note, I will uh, have to say thank you all for listening. I can't thank my guests enough to join me on this wonderful episode of the Tonality Film Podcast. Uh, hopefully, I'll be on an episode soon. <laughs> Again, this this is a very rare kind of thing. Like A lot of people are taking vacations uh, at my day job, so it's not exactly easy to make things like this work as well as other schedules with everyone else so hopefully i can be on with everyone i know there will be an episode soon about our reflection of tsunami in 2022 uh i probably won't be able to make it on that but hopefully you do listen to one that does become available it might even be a live episode on our twitch page so hopefully you check that out but uh we're gonna sign off and once again thank you for listening have a nice night or i guess day two i guess whatever you did listening to it have a nice time with that <laughs> Oh, Lord. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, y'all. Oh, I'm losing it.